Hello and welcome to Sea Tray Cruise Talks. Today we're taking a trip back to Sea Tray Cruise Virtual at the beginning of October 2020 and tuning in to accruing challenges in a changing world. Our panelists, Per Bjornsson, CEO of V Ships Leisure, Captain Nico Corvine, owner of Revelis Solutions, and Jen Martin, Director of Field Staff and Expedition Development Limblad Expeditions, led by Linda Vasquez, Vice President Account Development Axis Crews, aim to get to the root of what crewing looks like in the changing landscape of crews. The panel dives into questions like, how can we communicate with crew to keep them engaged and look out for their mental health? Has there been an influx of job seekers and does this present opportunities? And after the struggles of repatriating thousands of crew members, what does bringing them back on board look like? And will crew even feel safe to return? Even with all these challenges, there do seem to be some silver linings. Never before has there been such a period of time and space to develop training and digitalize. Let's jump into the conversation where Linda is kicking things off with a question about caring for crew's mental health. How do we care for crew members' mental health, whether they're on board or in specific ports? And I know there are different ways that we can care for their mental health. It's pastoral resources, mental health resources, through care teams, crew welfare committees or resources. So, Nico, you want to take that one? When I was with MSC last year, this year, we already started the programs, joined with the missions to seafarers in the UK, and that had more to do with folks at home rather than the folks on board. The folks at home have a significant say-so in how the folks on board feel, depending on which problems are shared. And It's one thing to be at home and deal with problems that you face day-to-day, but now share them because of the internet, however other source of medium you have, with the folks on board, and now it becomes their problem as well. Especially now that we have folks on board for a long, long time, proper communication between ship and the home is really, really important. The family left at home they face their own problems. The guys on the ships can't do anything about it. So it's really important that there's a really good information sharing happening. And we need to teach the folks at home what to share and not to overshare certain things because you add burden and a feeling of helplessness because they can't help anyway. The folks stuck on the ship, they can't help you. They can't leave. They can't go home. And that just adds to the whole emotional stress that they have being on the ship and being stuck there. Yeah, it is a really complicated set of circumstances we find ourselves in. Pear, are you seeing an increase in the talent pool? And if so, is there a a specific set of skills that you're starting to see more of? At the moment, we see actually the talent pool is not increasing, it's actually decreasing. number of crew seem to be concerned about going on board ships at the moment, particularly amongst the European. And there is a bit of reluctance to go on board ships. And it's more a wait and see. And this comes at a time where we're actually looking for more European crew, as it's very challenging to try and crew. Many of them are in Europe, India and the Philippines and other places. We are looking for more and more European crew, and, and it's challenging. So in countries like in China, where typically the hotel industry, there were a lot of expats. Now it's only Chinese 
we are actually seeing that there is a bit of a challenge and the talent pool is actually smaller. That's really interesting because it seems counterintuitive with mm-hmm. ships being sold and so many people kind of at home waiting for assignments that you would think that there would be an influx in the market, but it's the opposite. Interesting. Mm-hmm. The fact that the cruise industry has been put in the spotlight of mainstream news for so many reasons throughout the pandemic, not the least of which being the difficulties faced in keeping the crew safe on board and then returning them home. And, you know, Nico sort of touched on the MLC. And the question is, are there other regulatory bodies that provide support and guidance in the effort to repatriate the crew, the ITF, obviously the MLC, the ILO? And I know, Nico, you have a lot of expertise in the regulatory area of this. So maybe you should speak to that. When this whole thing started, to me, it was eye-opening that port states, from port to port, there was a different interpretation of the MLC of how to deal with crew members. And the fact that crew members were denied essential services, like medical services, for instance. Forget repatriation, but just basic medical services were denied because people might have COVID. To me, that was kind of unbelievable that signatories to the MLC are casting aside a document that they advocated for and they're going hard at it to make sure that the fourth pillar of shipping and blah, blah, blah. And then when push comes to shove, all of a sudden it's crumbled up and thrown out the window. Truly, it was mind-blowing to me. And I'm, I'm glad to see that the ITF, the ILO, the IMO, there's all kind of the cruise lines, the all shipping companies, they're all kind of standing up now for the seafarers to say, this, we need to change this. This is absolutely absurd. And I really hope something comes of it. I have to say that if the Pope cannot get it together by asking you know, for crew members to be repatriated, I don't know what will happen. So I really hope that something will come of it, that people put their better thinking caps on and, and come up with a, a solution that really helps not only the seafarers on the, on the cruise line, because clearly as a cruise line, we have the opportunity to put all these crew members on the ship and sail them to where they come from and then disembark them at home. But think of all the cargo ships that are still out there with hundreds of thousands of people on board that are past their contract expiration date. It's mind-blowing. The shipping industry as a whole is basically, it's, it's an invisible industry because we all take it for granted. But to know that 80% or so of the goods that we have in front of us, the computer, the keyboard, the monitor, clothes that we wear, is brought to you via a ship. And yet we don't talk about these people because it's like an invisible source that brings stuff to you. you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So hopefully that some good will come of it, but I think we really need to get together and bring shipping as a whole to the forefront. Harry, you have anything you want to add to that from your perspective? I couldn't agree more. This is on top of our agenda. Everyone from cruise industry to the head of V-Ships are talking about this in the press and putting the pressure on all the stakeholders to acknowledge seafarers as key workers. I hope this will help. Jen, I'm going to ask you the next question because you have this unique group of people that you interact with in the expedition space. And then I'll send it over to Pear to to also jump and weigh in. Have your pre-employment training programs changed as a result of COVID? And if so, how? Right now, we've developed protocols that we are putting in place for all of our operations, sort of the new normal, as this entire industry changes, as the world changes. And part of that will include a full training program for all of our crew and all of our expedition staff, something they can do remotely so that everybody arrives to the ship 
they're all on the same page. Everybody knows the expectations. Everyone knows what the protocols will be in the cleaning and the sanitation, both for the luggage as it comes in, but also with the people themselves. What is our testing procedure? Who is subject to that? How are we going to manage all of this? So it'll be something that is in the works right now and it will go out to everyone. Once we determine exactly when we're going to restart and how that will look, this is something that will be required of everybody. And it's something that we need to be sure that everyone is on the same page before they arrive to the ship. You already have a dedicated, established training program for your expedition staff, or is that something that you work with a separate company on? We do it all ourselves. Most of it happens typically on the ship itself. There are certain aspects of it. People come to us with a particular skill set we've advertised we're looking to have. But much of the actual training is done on the ship itself. So now for us, we're trying to figure out what the new normal of things looks like. And we've been using a lot of this time during COVID to do remote trainings to invite people in to do Zoom trainings of all different kinds of skill sets that additional part of the policies and protocols related directly to COVID. And Pear, I'm sure that you also have a unique perspective because it's all about training, training, training. And I'm guessing that you're a large part of your portfolio, for lack of a better word, is in the operations side. So I think your training is probably going to be incredibly intense. It's correct. And we have developed an uh, e-learning specifically for uh, preparing the crew before they join the vessel. So they are aware of the latest protocols and also special training in how they travel safely, make sure that they, they arrive safely. And then there will be customized training also in the common board. As I mentioned earlier, the, the, what we're seeing in industry now is, is, I think it's new that we are sharing really the, the protocols. It's an open book. We can see what the other companies are doing. So we are, we are looking at best practice across so I think that the industry will have really, really good training programs. For the really first time, I can see that we are sharing it across. Yeah, so I have a question for Per. Um, so you mentioned the quarantine program that you have yep. for the crew members. What does a quarantine program of 14 days look like for a crew member? Are they just sitting in the cabin for 14 days or are you involved in training? Depending on the customer, but our standard, our own standard, if we have a different, not imposed others by, by our customers, is two weeks on board the ship, but that is uh, uh, first been tested prior to leaving and then on joining the vessel. And we use this period for familiarization and training. And in the training, it's not only the skills, but it's also mental health preparation, other skills, which is uh, looking at a more um, holistic approach to health and sanitation. So the quarantining is not sitting in a cabin for 14 days. It's actually you are allowed to get out of your cabin and participate in training. You just can't be amongst the guests. Is that what you're saying? No, no it's in the cabin. There are no guests on board at the moment. It's, it's training and familiarization, but it's in the cabin. Because we think at the moment to keep the COVID off the ships is so important for the whole industry. And then this is a critical time. So we are very, very strict protocols at the moment. I've also been giving a lot of thought to when operations resume, obviously slowly, the ships will have limited capacity. Some are talking 50, some are talking 60, some are talking 70%. So that 50 to 70% seems to be the sweet spot that people are sort of targeting at the moment. With the reduced capacity in guests, obviously they're going to have to do something about reduced capacity for crew as well, because I don't envision that 
returning crew to the ships, I could be completely wrong because I'm on the outside looking in versus previously when I was on the inside looking out. But I have to imagine that companies are going to think twice about putting four people in one cabin if they're going to embrace the social distancing concept and the concept of, you know, quarantining people. If you quarantine people, are you really quarantining people if you're putting four people in a cabin together? And I wonder if you have any thoughts on how the industry is going to approach that because that whole accommodation issue is a hot button issue. It has been for many years, but this puts a whole different light on it and a whole different, I guess, pressure on addressing how you accommodate seafarers. You know, how big is a four berth cabin? And do you put two people or four people in a cabin? Because I know that there's limited space on ships, but if any of you can speak to how you address that issue, how you think the industry might approach that issue. I do think you're right. I think from a crewing perspective, there's certain positions that probably don't need to be filled immediately, simply because of COVID per se. So, Cruise lines will look very critically at who do we need on board and who can we get on board for starters, <laughs> but who do we need on board? And probably growing that number as the number of guests grow and, and some of the quarantining efforts or some of the, the social distancing efforts are eased up as time progresses, because hopefully at some point in time this thing will be done. But the cabin issue is, is an issue, is a major issue. Now, the, the majority of the modern ships have two people max in the cabin. But then you still have your shared accommodations where you share a bathroom with four people. That issue might not be as big as, as it initially is, but as the capacity on board is being filled, it will be a gradual increase, taking it step by step and, and just make sure that through testing, we do what we can to make sure that people keep their social distancing through testing. I think that was highlighted by the, uh, the NCLH and uh, Royal Caribbean groups document that they released last week, you know, testing is prime importance and having a method to contact trace people as well. So in case something happens that you are able to identify who that person has been in contact with. Essentially, you think it won't be a problem in the beginning because it's going to be a slow and phased return to operations. So maybe that'll give the industry some time to grapple with the issue and come up with something that works for everyone. Clearly, we all know that there's single cabins, inside cabins are plenty. The outside cabins will be filled first and, and the suites and the, <laughs> the luxurious cabins. And, and then there's plenty of room that we can put uh, crew members in cabins that, that don't produce a whole lot of revenue. So Jen, I just want to go back to you and just talk a little bit about your training program in the before times and the training program in this new reality we find ourselves in. So in the before times, all of your training program was all on board, and it continues to be that way. It has always been that way because when we're hiring people, we're actually looking for people who come with a skill set already. So most of our training in the past has been centered on learning the culture of Lindblad Expeditions, but not learning the destination or how to work on a ship. In most cases, it's, we've, we've sort of assumed that that has already been in place. But what we've done now is... A lot of what we would consider our required trainings, we have made digital videos of them and we're making them remote so that we can actually have these available to people before they arrive. We've just never actually had the time to do it before or had the resources to do it before. And we finally do. We're a small company. What we've done is made things like 
rifle training for people working in polar bear country, zodiac safety training, snorkeling and diving safety training, all of those we've created videos that we can send to people ahead of time and make them a required element. And I'm sure it seems really obvious that this would have been something that was in place before, but because we've been small and we've been expanding, it's always been something we could handle on board the ship. And now with this new world, we're realizing that we have a golden opportunity to kind of create some things and put some standards in place that would allow people to get this training without being on the ship. And then they come to us even better prepared than we had originally intended. It's amazing how something so awful has actually given birth to some really good things. It's given people time to sort of stop and take a breath and, you know, reflect on what is really necessary and what did we have on the back burner for years that we can now bring to the front, that we now have the time and energy and attention to focus on making it happen. I think that's exactly it. We have wanted to do these things for years and we've never had the personnel nor the time to make them happen. And it is, it's the sad reality of we can actually put the framework in place to have this available to people and create a much better program and much more standardized than we've ever been able to do in the past. I would imagine that shipboard training for crew returning is going to look really different because there's going to be a whole bunch of new health and safety protocols that crew members are going to be required to comply with, not just for their own safety, but for the safety of guests. And so I would imagine that that's really going to change the face of pre-employment training even before they get on the ship. So what does that look like for V-ships? We started a long time ago building the e-learning suite. So we had started a process on this, as I mentioned before, it's kind of accelerated that. A large portal training will be done by e-learning. It's not just a video of someone giving the training, but it's, it's a proper e-learning platform where there's a test at the end and maybe certificates. But that does not replace all training. And onboard vessel will continue. And you know, the, the senior officers will still be responsible for giving a significant part of the training on board. And in addition, we have a, a training team that support them. So there's a training package that we also provide the ships with standardized across the fleet. Earlier in the conversation, you talked about the challenges that you're having in getting crew members to feel safe to return. How are you addressing that? How are you trying to overcome that challenge? You know, once they've gotten home, you know, thinking at least I'm home and I can take care of my family and I can figure out what I need to do to kind of make ends meet while I'm here. But if I go back, what happens if I can't get back? Or if they need my help, I'm stuck and I can't get home to help them. So how are you trying to alleviate their fears and make them feel safe and confident in returning? It is through good communication. So, so our recruitment team stay in touch with the candidates. We feed them information of updates of what's going on in the industry. And I think we all see this is, a, is changing. You know, every day there is something new. And finally, we see also more positive news. And with the more clarity on when the operation will resume, I'm confident that the, the, the seafarers will also have that confidence to come back. And are you seeing any embassies opening or is there limited openings of embassies for renewals of documents? How is, is STCW training that is continuing now? What does that piece of it look like? Like I said, I've given a lot of thought to this and I thought if I were sitting on that side of the desk, I would probably have no hair left. I have no idea how you guys are doing it. I think it's just amazing. So if you could speak to any of those pieces of it, that would be really interesting to hear. 
it's much more complicated. It takes much more time, and it's frustration uh, amongst our recruitment team. But we have some good examples where where we can fly in Filipino crew to Europe. We had an example of a two crew that joined one of our clients' cruise ship in in, in Greece. Things are are starting to move again. So there are some good news out there as well. There are some embassies that are open and we're able yes, to document yes. this. That is good news. And STCW training is happening as it did before. Talk about contact sport. STCW is kind of a contact sport, isn't it? The training, of course, there's much less crew on board of vessels and, the, then, and, and, and we don't have visibility on when the large majority of crew will join the vessel again. So I think we will normally have a bit more time to plan that. At the moment, the, the ships that we operate, they are a man with minimum safe manning or a little bit more and a few hotel crew members. That's it. The very few of the ships that we provide crewing or ship management are actually in operation. Nico, are there any unique situations or challenges that you're seeing from your perspective? We've all been kind of in, in a sit and wait pattern for months, right? Sit and wait. Let's see what happens. Things change every day. We're learning something new. But from your perspective, are you seeing any new challenges that we're going to have to deal with as the ramp up specifically, obviously, as it relates to crew, as the resumption of services starts to take off? I mean, clearly, there's a number of issues that I can think of. For starters, let's give a shout out to all the crew members, but also many corporate employees have lost their job as a result of this. And there's many. And so therein lies the problem, because clearly... A lot of great talent on the corporate side, for instance, was laid off or made redundant or put on furlough. And with them goes the knowledge that they carried with them. And the question is, you know, hopefully these people will be rehired again or find a job somewhere. Is that it's more difficult to find crew members now because, you know, they, they either are afraid to get stuck on the ship again for indefinite number of months that they don't know when they're going to get off the ship or... You can see that, as we all know, shipboard work is contract work, mostly. And if you're not sailing, there's no pay, which makes it very, very difficult for people to sustain a family and a, and a livelihood. Nobody pays you for it. So those are the unique challenges, I think, that we are facing. And, and hopefully, very soon, this will be taken care of so that we actually can rehire many crew members to go back to the ship, whether it's officers, but also in the, in the crew the lower, uh, lower ranks, but also for the corporate staff, for them to get back on board again. What about you, Jen? Are you seeing anything from your perspective that is a unique new challenge that needs to be overcome in the return to service for Lindblad? I think one of the things that's come to our attention that we did not expect is the fear of some of our team returning after a contract and how we address that, whether they're living with family members who are compromised or they have young children or they're from a country that has a required quarantine upon return and they have to pay for that themselves. There's a lot of fear that's come from people who want to be back to work, who want to be back on ships, but who are fearful of what this means when they return home. Because most of our team, they're not working six or nine month contracts. They're working one month contract or six weeks, and then they're returning home and then they'll come back. So it's a much more complicated process for them because the risk of exposure is much more if they're traveling to and from more frequently. And it's something that's come up much more suddenly in the last few weeks that we're hearing people talk about this. Wow, interesting. It's amazing the things that you don't anticipate when you have 
something so unprecedented. I shouldn't use that word. I hate it. I've heard people using it. Like if I had a nickel for every time somebody used unprecedented, you know, we could all retire. Especially um, in 2020, for sure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's such an unusual circumstance, situation that we find ourselves in. It's obvious that nobody gave really any thought to what happens if we find ourselves in this situation? How do we handle it? And I think it's fair to say that everyone was caught off guard. No one planned for this. I mean, it was a failure of imagination on everyone's part, you know, that we would envision something like this could happen and plan for it in advance. But lesson learned for all of us in many sectors of business, isn't it? I kind of want to wrap up with sort of a general big picture question about what you see the most significant change being affecting crew in a resulting from COVID and in a post-COVID world. Whoever wants to take that one first. I can tell you, I guess from our small perspective, for us, our crew and our expedition staff are very, very fundamentally connected with our guests. Part of the reason people travel on small ships is because that sort of connection is very personal and people are with the guests all the time. There's very little opportunity for social distancing in our perfect scenario, which is what we go for. And now all of that has changed. So for us, we are having to reinvent our entire brand in some ways to try and address what is needed in this new world and how we can still offer a very personalized experience to people and keep everybody safe at the same time. And I think that that's going to be a long-term challenge for us, looking again to use the term the new normal. What is the new normal and what does this mean? It means that we're going to have to change our whole way of operating to provide people the same experience. I don't envy you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't envy me either. <laughs> I don't envy you, but I'm right there with you, Jen. I'm supporting you and, and rooting for you the whole way. Thank you. <laughs> Nico, you have a unique perspective. Well, for starters, it's incredibly heartwarming to read all the comments from our guests, how much they want to come back to the ships. I mean, clearly, because sea trade is not only about the crew and, and, and the operations, but it's also about the guests and guest services. And the travel agents are still out there trying to help us get these ships full. And they seem to be doing a, an incredible job. It's also about the ports. The ports need to step up big time in order to accommodate these ships wanting to go back to their, or being being allowed to go back to their ports. So the port operators need to make sure that the experience that people can have when they touch their shores is one where they can do so without fear. And some people will be fearful. Other people have a, a laissez-faire attitude about it. But we need to make sure that we can do it safely and, and people feel that it's done safely and controlled and and with forethought rather than, oh, dear, I didn't think about that. But clearly there's bringing the crew back on the ships, key importance, uh, bringing all of them back on the ships, all those folks who want to work again on, on our ships too. I think you'll see changes in the way ships are being built. Uh, new builds will increasingly have single cabins, even though that is more expensive, but that's the way forward. And I think that's one of the lasting effects of COVID. There will be lasting effects. There will be effects that are maybe in the short term as we get through this. But once you know, COVID is done and we anticipate the next COVID, we will be better prepared for it. I've heard a lot of people say, as difficult as this has been, they've said with a lot of optimism, you know, that 
yes, it's really challenging, but it also presents a lot of opportunity. And so it's up to us, you know, as an industry as a whole to figure out what works, not just for me, but for all of us, what works for all of us, because we all win together or we all lose together. The perception of the industry is not as an individual company, it is as an industry as a whole. And so that's why I say, you know, I firmly believe, and I think it's a common feeling that we all need to hold hands and walk forward together. Otherwise, it's just not gonna work. for joining us for Crewing Challenges in a Changing World. And thank you to our wonderful panel for being part of Seatray Cruise Virtual and Seatray Cruise Talks. Tune in on Spotify or Apple Podcasts the coming weeks for more great content from Seatray Cruise Virtual that you might have missed and hear about how expedition and small ship cruising has fared through 2020. Next week on Seatree Cruise Talks is the fourth and final part of cruise development for destinations, port grading and upgrading with Shannon McKee, Johannes Brass, and guest speaker, Chris Martin, Director, Port Operations, Holland America Group. If you can't wait that long for more Seatray Cruise Talks content, head over to the archive at seatrade-cruise.com forward slash seatrade-cruise-talks and sign up to never miss an episode. <music>